the KCL or Daily with Brian Redmond on air, online, and on smart speaker. With thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Now, Senator Roland Mullen is an independent senator from Galway, and he's calling for a no-no vote in both of the upcoming referendum. And he joins us now here on the KCL or Daily. Uh, senator Mullen, you're very welcome along. Thanks. Good to be on your show, Brian. Great to have you. Um, every day, every time we've spoken to somebody, we've, we've stayed fairly clear in terms of dealing with both of the issues at hand separately, because I think it's important that people understand that they are separate issues. And although many people are calling for either yes, yes or no, no, of course, it is possible that an individual might vote yes, no or no, yes, depending on their own thoughts. So dealing with the family amendment, first of all, um, you know, a lot of the conversation has focused around this phrase of other durable relationships. You're calling for a no vote on that. Why? Well, Brian, the first thing to be said is that we shouldn't be in a situation where people are in a referendum are being asked to vote on a formula of words that nobody has properly teased out. The government has behaved very badly in this whole matter in that they cooked up these wordings. They minimised the discussion about them. They refused to give people um, to reveal, for example, what the public consultation revealed about the Citizens' Assembly uh, work uh, and recommendations on these on, on these issues last year. They then decided not to have the normal pre-legislative scrutiny process where we could have examined these uh, wordings to see what they mean in the committee. They then rushed the debate through the Dáil and the Shannon. The people of Ireland are entitled to have a question put to them on which they must give a yes or no answer, which has been properly tested so that they can know exactly what it means. And the government has done the opposite at every step of the way. It's like they wanted to rush the debate, have no the minimum amount of examination of what these words mean. And most recently, they have refused to, re- to reveal the 64 pages of minutes where they actually went through among themselves what these wordings might mean in the future when laws are tested and so on. So there's a real secretive approach that's going on here and I think it has a lot of people wondering why. And the result of this rushed um, undiscussed approach to wordings is that we have phrases like durable relationships and nobody knows what they mean. What we are being told is that if we vote for what we will be doing is we will be saying that there'll be no differential treatment in terms of family life and the legal rights that go with being a family as recognised by the constitution, whether that's based on marriage or other durable relationships. But we don't know, does durable relationships include, for example, families founded by, let's say, for example, you have people want to bring their spouses into the state in the context of our uh, you know, developing immigration story where in countries, for example, where polygamy is legal, uh, will it now be claimed in our courts that you know, um, these multiple spouses that want to come into the country are entitled to the same rights because they are now a constitutional family? That's just one of the uncertainties. Well, my, we my, don't know for... My understanding is in relation to immigration, for example, that uh, the, the existing rules will still apply. But you see, the existing rules will be subject to how the constitution is amended. And what the government has done is they've launched the ball into the air. And their answer when people said, is this what these words in the constitution could mean when laws are tested, when disputes go to court? And remember, it costs people a lot of money to go to court and the poorer people can't access their rights in court so easily. So it's no answer for the government to say, don't worry, the courts will decide what these words mean. If you have somebody, for example, whose spouse dies and they're expecting to inherit 
under a will. And then they discover, you know, oh, there was another durable relationship going on all along with some other person and there may or may not be children. And now that other person is claiming, you know, pension rights, division of property, succession, maintenance, children's welfare issues. These things all hang on Mm. what the Constitution says about family and what family is. So it's really, frankly, disgraceful for the government to give us a set of words. And then they say, oh, no, this is a phrase that, that, that has arisen in European law and in the European courts. But they can't tell us what the European courts say that a durable relationship means. So we don't know how many people have to be in a durable relationship. Well, just, we don't even know whether it could include it. It might not even include, by the way, a single parent and their children. And we don't know how long a relationship has to last for it to be a durable relationship. So int- introducing this kind of chaos into the Constitution is very, very irresponsible governance. But uh, the example that you gave of uh, maybe a will where it's been contested by another person yes. um, and possibly other other children. Um, if you reverse that example, is it not true that the other person, if they do have a durable relationship and those children, if they are legitimately of the, uh, uh, the uh, a child of a particular adult, um, should they not have rights? Well, you see, the great thing about our constitution as it stands, and it is interesting, by the way, the government isn't able to point to a single good thing that we should do for families, you know, whether they're based on marriage or not, uh, that you need to change the constitution in order to achieve. The genius of our constitution, we saw this only recently with the Omara decision in the courts, where uh, a a man who was not married, but was in a long-term relationship, was able to avail of the widower's pension because he had children. So the constitution already does justice. The courts can already do justice and we can legislate to do justice. The problem with creating a concept like durable relationships where you don't know what it means is that it might well cover deserving situations that we could legislate for anyway as things stand. But the problem is it might give constitutional rights to situations that we don't actually necessarily want to give the same rights to as marriage. You know, there's a reason, for example, under the current law on cohabitation, and this was passed in 2010, where couples have been cohabiting, let's say for two years in the case of where they have children or for five years where they don't, they can have certain limited rights in terms of division of property and so on because their relationship meant something and because they should be able to avail of it. But they can also contract out of those rights. Now that's the careful approach to relationships other than marriage um, that we were able to do in our law all along. What we're in danger of doing now is putting a phrase into the constitution that only the courts will decide in the future what it means and it might not even be possible to legislate to change a court decision because the court will say sorry this is what the constitution says we say this is a durable relationship so the polygamist who wants to bring other people into the country or whatever rules we have at that point you won't be and this is what Roderick O'Gorman the minister said there'll be no differential treatment between a family based on a marriage situation and a family based on this um, durable relationship well if you're going to put a rule like that into the constitution that even legislation may not be able to challenge then you the least you could be doing to serve the people properly is define what you mean by a durable relationship well earlier on the show we spoke to uh, Karen um, Karen uh, Kiernan the CEO of the One Family Ireland and I asked her some questions in relation to you know whether or not legislation there to, uh, to accommodate these people as needed anyway uh, her response was um, along the lines and I'm paraphrasing here that um, it's about also allowing people to feel like part of the group. And if I take you back to the marriage referendum, for example, gay couples 
couples had the opportunity to have many of those rights bestowed on them through a civil partnership, but they still felt outside of the other relationships and how they were treated in the States. And the marriage referendum brought that back into balance. Are there not many families who, although they would be able to go down the legal route to have their rights bestowed on them, still feel left out emotionally as a result of the constitution as it stands? And that's a fair question. And you know what? We had amendments down in the Shannon that would have tweaked this wording that could have done that. It would, it's quite possible to continue to have the aspiration that, you know, the state rec- recognises marriage as the basis for family life and also have a clause in that recognises marriage, you know, families b- based on non-marital relationships. There, there were ways to do that if it was a case of giving a further nod of respect to families that are not actually formally based on marriage in the traditional way. No problem with that. We could have done that. But what the government has done here is they've come up with the wrong answer to the right question and they've done that on the other referendum as well so there is, a, there is something you could certainly tweak to make it even better than it is already but there are two things we need to be clear on there's no rights that people are being deprived of at the moment that we need to change the constitution in order to achieve that's interesting because the government is paying, spending 20 million of taxpayers refer- money on a standalone referendum that isn't actually needed in order to achieve you know, justice for any particular person in any particular situation. That's a scandalous waste of money if you think about it. But what we could have done, for example, the same day as the local elections and European elections, is put in something that did give that nod of respect, if that's what people want to do, to families other than those based on marriage. You could have done that. But what the government has done instead is they have brought in this controversial concept of durable relationships. We don't know how long it has to last. We don't know how many people it's limited to. So you could have anything at all in the future claiming equal constitutional rights to a family based on marriage, a tremendous cost to the taxpayer and possibly not uh, in the best interest of children either. And there's nothing we can do about it because we're being asked to stitch into our fundamental law, which every other law that's passed in here in the Dáil and Shannon has to be in keeping with. We're being asked to stitch in this uncertain wording. You do not put uncertain words into the Constitution. And you'd have to wonder, like, what's the agenda going on here? I believe myself that there is a certain attitude within the government or within a portion of the government that is allergic to concepts like family being based on a man and a woman, for example, or the fundamental difference between fathers and mothers. I think that's why they're so eager to promote this kind of catch-all type of situation. But you don't put catch-all words into the Constitution. Well, I'll I'll, I'll question you on that as we come on to uh, the second part of the second plebiscite, the care amendment. Um, You would, based on what you just said, I'm asking you, you, do you think men and women who care for being family members, children, siblings or parents uh, should be treated differently? No, I, I think that, you know, with regard to the care referendum, again, the wrong answer to the right question. We badly needed uh, to put something into the Constitution that honoured care by family members and indeed by others outside of the family who are doing tremendous work for our society, saving the taxpayer an awful lot of money, by the way, and keeping a lot of people out of hospitals and nursing homes and so on and so forth. And in my own family, we, we cared for my, my late father for 10 years who, as he lived with Alzheimer's. What about, but, would it provide more access for people to the carers allowed? for example. Well, it won't. I mean, that's the first thing to be said about this. There is nothing of benefit to carers coming from this referendum except a nod. If you compare, you know, the state's clear commitment 
to provide for free primary education in this country. In the constitution, what does it say? It says the state shall provide. Now, if the government was interested in giving constitutional rights to carers, you would have had language like the state shall provide. Instead, you have this watery uh, recognition of care based on the bonds between people and the, st- and, and the state shall strive. So there's a real insincerity there. It's the pretense, pretense of respect for carers, but giving them nothing. But even worse, they have tied that in and the only way you could vote for even that half-hearted watery nod in the direct in the direction of care is by getting rid of the only reference to motherhood that we have in our constitution um We need to be clear about one thing. Despite the false claims from the government and indeed the National Women's Council of Ireland, and this I think was made clear by Mary Baker, uh, the chairperson of the Electoral Commission, Mm. the constitution does not say currently that a woman's place is in the home. Um, The former Chief Justice Susan Denham said that that clause did not did, did not in any way impede women's, if you like, career outside the home, etc. But what that phrase did do was it helped on a number of occasions to support mothers to keep them from being forced out of the home, which is a very yeah. different thing from forcing people into the home. Uh, and the example I would give of that, the example I'd give of that uh, was was the was the case of L versus L, uh, where it was ruled that that clause was a reason why women had to be paid um, alimony and, and, and maintenance in the context of a relationship breakdown because of to do otherwise would be to force them outside of the home due to economic necessity. So this was a mother-friendly clause and the government in its allergy to notions of motherhood and fatherhood wants to get rid of it. What they yeah. could have done and what they should have done is put in a reference to fathers and their duties as parents as well, which I think we'd all have welcomed. 41.2.1, um, the care amendment as it stands at the moment reads as such, uh, in particular the state recognises that by her life within the home, woman gives the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. Is that not sexist at this stage? Is that not impractical and and outdated and should be changed? Well, again, the government has come up with the wrong answer to the right question. I've been saying for years, yes, by all means, put in a reference to fathers here and and what they do as well, because the role of fathers, as we know, is vital in children's lives and the role of fathers as parents. By the way, former Chief Justice uh, Murray said, funnily enough, that that wording and the Constitution did give implicit um, respect uh, and recognise the value of a man's contribution in the home as a parent. But I would certainly have been in favour of putting in a specific reference to fathers as parents as well. But what the government has done here again is they didn't do that. They've got rid of any reference to mother. In fact, they've got rid of any reference to woman. The only references left in the constitution, there are one or two references to men and women and their rights. But it is interesting. And again, I think this is part of the gender politics that's in the background here is they're not comfortable with anything that honours, you know, and you know, when you think of the a mother and when you think of, you know, the mother and fathers who are on a treadmill trying to balance home life with work life, who feel that they are tools of the marketplace and that their role as parents and homemakers is not respected. Why would you get rid of the only constitutional clause that gives direct respect to at least one of the homemakers? Surely what we should have been doing is in addition to honouring mothers is, is, is adding in something that honoured fathers as well. But the government have proposed to get rid of this very helpful clause and despite what has been claimed, that clause has helped over 
over the years. It was also a help in the Murphy case, where it was ruled that uh, that tax laws which treated married people less favourably than unmarried people were unconstitutional. That was back in 1980. So this is a clause that has done a few good things over the years, and particularly for mothers in the home. Uh, the government is proposing to get rid of it instead of, as I said, putting in something that would make it more gender inclusive and include fathers. But the real damage they're doing there is they're getting rid of the only clause that supports motherhood and 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 holding out then as a very bogus type of carrot that they're putting in something more general on care. And people like Tom Clonan, my colleague in the Shannon, who is a, an eloquent yeah. defender as a person, a parent of a person with a disability himself, an, an eloquent defender of carers and, and of persons and the rights of persons with disability, has been scathing about this care referendum wording. He says it's such a lost opportunity, it adds insult to injury, it's a slap in the face for a disabled citizens and the huge community and network of carers. Yeah. But well, if that isn't a call for a strong no vote, I don't know what is. Well, Senator Mullen, uh, what we've been doing every time we've spoken to a contributor in relation to the upcoming referendum, we, we finished off by putting a question to them that's come in from our listeners, 083 306 is the dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line that they've been using. Um, the question I've got for you, um, is it a case then that you believe that we shouldn't be having this referendum at all, given the fact that the the wording, as it stands, in your opinion, is incorrect. Yeah, what we should have been doing is they should have, first of all, considered this properly and allowed proper scrutiny of this by both the Dáil and the Shannon so we could do our duty by the people by giving them a wording that isn't half-cooked and vague, but something that's very precise in what it does. And I think what they should have done is, instead of putting 20 million or 23 million euro of taxpayers' money on the line, they should have done a careful rewording that would have included fathers and that would have included a nod of respect as well uh, and a generous nod of respect for families other than those based on marriage. And that could have been put on the agenda the same day as the local and European elections, much less cost to the taxpayer and it wouldn't have been controversial to do that. But instead we've been slipped an agenda that is about disrespecting mothers it is about pretending to carers yeah. that there's respect for carers okay. while giving them nothing at all and, in, in, and introducing a vague notion of durable relationships which could cause chaos yeah. in the courts in the longer term. Well as, as you know as you well know Senator Mullen we've got to keep it balanced time wise and all the legislation that exists also applies to us yeah, here no, as well. <laughs> your time on this, Brian. Yeah. It's great. You're doing a great service there, bringing the issues out from both sides uh, to the voters. And of course, we'd encourage people to get out and vote, whatever they do. Well, Senator Ronan Mullen, independent um, senator from Galway, thank you very much for your time on the KCLR Daily. And if you're only tuning in and getting abreast of the uh, upcoming referendum, there's a service there available because all of the interviews that we've had in relation um, to that upcoming referendum are available for catch up on the KCLR Daily page on the KCLR website, KCLR 96 fm.com is where you'll find all that. The KCL or Daily with Brian Redmond on air, online and on smart speaker. With thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie On March